Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Thanks for joining us today because we're going to be doing loving-kindness meditation. But first, I'm going to share with you guys to help you understand the teachings behind loving-kindness meditation and why it's important for your life practice. Because as you remember, throughout all the teaching that I share, I always share that you shouldn't believe anything that I say, but instead learn, reflect, and practice the teachings so that you can see the truth for yourself. But in order to do that, you need to first learn. So that's what these sessions are about on Sundays, Wednesdays, and then also we teach on Saturdays as well for the Pali Canon and English study group. During these classes, I will be sharing teachings with you and helping to guide you along in your learning. But then it's through your own reflection and your own practice that you can see the truth for yourself that the condition of the mind is gradually improving. Today is all about loving kindness and loving kindness meditation. And as you'll see, what this is for is the antidote or transform anger, hatred and ill will, along with all the lesser versions of that even frustration, irritation, annoyance, all those things are in the mind and inhibit somebody from experiencing the enlightened mind, where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently, no longer experiencing those discontent feelings. So loving kindness and loving kindness meditation is an important topic for you to learn, reflect on, and then practice so that you can see the truth for yourself. As we go in today's class, there'll be opportunities for you to ask questions. And the way that you do that is just put your question into the comment section of Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. Our moderators will see that and be sure your question gets asked during the class and I'll be sure to answer it. And then if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions you have that way. So once again, thank you all for joining. Let's go ahead and start learning today and help you along this path. The first thing to understand as it relates to learning loving kindness meditation is to learn what is loving kindness because you wouldn't be able to practice loving kindness meditation and loving kindness in daily life if you didn't understand what loving kindness actually is. The way to think about loving kindness is it's active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, that you're not judging somebody whether they're worthy of your loving kindness or determining if this is a person that you should have goodwill for, but instead you just have active goodwill, a genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. This is loving kindness. You may hear some people use the Pali word for this, which is metta. I always teach in English because 
that's the best way for you to more readily learn and understand the Buddhist teachings because it's in a native language that you understand and you can readily learn, readily understand, and readily apply the teachings in order to experience the results. So you won't hear me using mantta. I always use loving kindness, but I include that in there just in case you're talking with other people or you're reading other things, they might use this word mantta. So this is a genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and not judging whether someone's worthy of your goodwill or worthy of your politeness, your kindness, your friendliness, your respect, but just practicing for your own mind and for your own benefit to see all beings be well. Another way to think of loving kindness and something to note is that this is an antidote to that anger, hatred, ill will, or a remedy. We talk about it as part of the three wholesome roots because there's these three unwholesome roots that keep the mind in the unenlightened state. The unwholesome roots are craving, anger, and ignorance, or greed, hatred, and delusion. You might even hear someone refer to this as desire, ill will, and confusion, or unknowing of true reality. These are the three top level challenges that the unenlightened mind has that it needs to antidote and it needs to transform in order to move to this enlightened mental state. So loving kindness is working to actively eliminate anger, hatred, ill will. And there's even other aspects of the mind that this eliminates as well. It eliminates resentment. It eliminates other forms of discontentedness as well that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Loving kindness is part of the Brahma Viharas. There's four healthy mental states that the Buddha taught that need to be cultivated in the mind, and they have specific purposes of why you train the mind to have these four healthy mental states. It's loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. These are all really important, and you wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without cultivating these four healthy mental states. I discussed this in chapter 14 of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. So if you've downloaded this or you are going to download it or you have a copy of this, you can look in chapter 14 and in there you'll see where I'm discussing these four healthy mental states of the Brahma Viharas. And there's been classes that I've done that specifically dive into just these four healthy mental states. But here I'm just talking about loving kindness because it's important as background information as you move into understanding loving kindness as a whole and loving kindness meditation. Now, with the theme of not believing anything I say, I oftentimes like to share the Buddha's words so that you can see that it's not just me saying that loving kindness is beneficial for the mind. It's not just me saying that loving kindness is what antidotes anger, hatred, ill will. It's not just me saying that meditation on loving kindness is important, but you can see the actual words of the Buddha so you can have confidence that what I'm sharing with you is the truth in your intellectual learning. But then, like I mentioned, you need to reflect and you need to practice so that you can see it transforming your mind in daily life and improve the condition of your mind and also the condition of your life through an improved relationships. Here are just two little short lines which are taken out of much larger discourses. I have the larger discourse reference there, so if you're interested in going back and seeing the entire discourse, 
you can use this reference to actually go back to the Pali Canon and see the entire discourse that this was taken out of. This first line, the Buddha is talking to his son, Rahula. His son ordained or became the very first novice because a novice is a person who is kind of in training to be ordained. Once you're about 20 years old, that's typically when you become ordained. Before then, it's not possible for you to fully ordain. So novices will practice 10 precepts where a fully ordained male practitioner will practice 227 precepts and a fully ordained female practitioner will practice 311 precepts. So here, the Buddha is speaking to his son who may have been a novice at that time or maybe it was later after he became fully ordained. The Buddha says, Rahula, develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. So here, it doesn't get much clearer than that where the Buddha is just plainly saying in one sentence how cultivating the mind and developing loving-kindness meditation will help you to abandon ill will. But you need to do that through practice, not just the meditation, but in daily life. So that's what this next line or this next sentence is. The Buddha's talking and he says, loving-kindness should be developed to abandon ill will. The first one's talking about cultivating loving-kindness as far as meditation and the second one is talking about practicing it in daily life and there's lots of other teachings where the buddha talks about loving kindness these are just a few as you dive into the full book series volumes 1 through volume 13 you'll see all the different aspects of where the buddha was teaching loving kindness and how he was teaching it and why it was important and as you learn in this program you'll learn those things as well Here's another one, a little bit longer. I share this one because the Buddha is kind of equating generosity and, and giving of food to the benefits of that, to the benefits of practicing loving kindness. So I'll just kind of read this for you so that you can see it and understand it. He says, monks, if someone were to give away a hundred pots of food as charity in the morning, a hundred pots of food is charity at noon, and a hundred pots of food is charity in the evening. And if someone else were to develop a mind of loving kindness, even for the time it takes to pull a cow's udder, either in the morning, at noon, or in the evening, this would be more fruitful than the former. Let me just pause here before I share the rest of it. Developing the ability to give a hundred pots of food in the morning, afternoon, and evening would have taken an enormous amount of effort. Even nowadays, to be able to do that, it would take an enormous amount of effort. But 2,500 years ago, that's an enormous amount of effort and time to go out and actually grow the crops and harvest the food and prepare the food and have all the resources to be able to do that. So the Buddha is talking about making an offering that is just enormous and significant. And that isn't as fruitful as developing meditation or developing loving kindness for the time it takes to pull a cow's udder. That's the nipple of a cow that people use to milk, right? So during the lifetime of the Buddha, he would speak in ways that 
people understood and people understood milking cows during his day. Nowadays, maybe not so much, but it only takes a split second to pull a cow's udder and actually milk a cow. So that would be just a short, short amount of time. And he's saying that split second of developing a mind of loving kindness is more fruitful than going to all that elaborate effort to put together this huge offering of food. The last paragraph here is this section that I pulled out. Therefore, monks, you should train yourselves thus. We will develop and cultivate the liberation of mind by loving kindness. Make it our vehicle. Make it our basis. Stabilize it. Exercise ourselves in it and fully perfect it. Thus should you train yourselves. So here he's giving guidance of developing and cultivating loving kindness in the mind through meditation and in daily life to liberate the mind, to create freedom of these strong emotions of anger, hatred, and ill will. Because when the mind is triggered that way with anger, hatred, and ill will, it's not liberated. It's not free. If somebody can trigger or if some situation can trigger anger, hatred, ill will in the mind and even the lesser versions of that, the mind is not yet free of strong feelings. It's not yet liberated. So it's loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life that will liberate the mind from these strong feelings. Next, it's important that you understand how to actually do loving kindness meditation. Because now that you understand what loving kindness is and that the Buddha taught to practice loving kindness meditation and practice it in daily life, now it's important to understand, well, how do you actually do loving kindness meditation? Well, the way that the Pali Canon was written down, he doesn't have anywhere in the Pali Canon that he taught how to actually do loving kindness meditation. I'm sure he had a certain way of teaching it and practicing it and showing people how to do that during his lifetime. But by the time the Pali Canon gets written down and what we have available to us today, you don't see any teachings from the Buddha step-by-step exactly how to do loving-kindness meditation. In other types of meditation, we have that. But through impermanence, we don't have how to actually do loving-kindness meditation. But for anybody who's done loving-kindness meditation and has been successful at eliminating anger, hatred, and ill will from the mind, then they know how to do loving-kindness meditation in a way that is beneficial for their mind. So therefore, if it works for their mind, it will work for your mind. So what I'm sharing with you here is how I do loving kindness meditation and what I observe works. But you may or may not see other people practicing it in this exact same way because of impermanence, different people are going to practice it different ways. And this is where you shouldn't believe what I say that this meditation works. Instead, learn it, reflect on it and then practice it. And as you practice, you can see the truth for yourself that it actually does indeed work. The way that you cultivate loving kindness during meditation is you start out setting up mindfulness in front of you as the Buddha talks about with breathing mindfulness meditation and other forms of meditation, either in the seated, standing or lying positions. We don't usually do loving kindness in the walking position. So either seated, standing, or lying. And then you start out with breathing mindfulness meditation, the way that I taught last week and the way that I teach in this program throughout. 
You do that for 5, 10, 15 minutes, however long you like, just to kind of ease the mind into meditation and center the mind on the breath, bringing it into the present moment, eliminating any kind of clutter or residual thoughts that are kind of lingering. Once you've got the mind established on the breath in the present moment, then you start with these affirmations. And you always start with I or this person, right? This body, this being that we call David, or in your case, Johnny or Roberta, James, Bassa, Miranda, Donnie, or whoever this label that you've inherited that we refer to as you or I, that's what you start with. Because you can't have loving kindness for others if you don't have loving kindness for yourself. So not only will this meditation help you eradicate anger, hatred, and ill will towards others, it also helps to eliminate that negative self-talk that some people have in the mind. So if you experience that you have that in the mind, then it's really important that you practice loving kindness meditation in order to eliminate that. And then during daily life, not only are you practicing loving kindness with others, but you practice loving kindness toward your own self or this own being as well. So in loving kindness meditation, once we start that and I guide you into it, you'll hear me say out loud, may I be peaceful. And on your out breath, you should repeat this affirmation in the mind. May I be peaceful. Wherever you get to that out breath, you repeat that affirmation. And then the next one will be, may I be safe. And then wherever you get to your out breath, you repeat that. Then may I be well. Again, on the out breath, you repeat that. In the mind. You don't have to repeat it out loud. You repeat it in the mind. I'm going to be saying it out loud, but that's just because I'm guiding you guys. But you guys say it in the mind and cultivate it in the mind. And then the fourth statement is, may I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. This is that genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, including you. Once we do that, then we'll move on to a ring that's a little bit wider. So we'll probably say, may we, those of us that are here meditating together, may we be peaceful, safe, well, and free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. This is on the out breath, wherever you get to that. Then I'll go through some other rings. I usually kind of decide those when I get to them. And I try to make it applicable to all of us that are in the group. And then finally, the last ring will be something along the lines of, may all beings be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness. You don't want to leave any beings out. You want to cultivate this loving kindness in the mind for all beings. And keep in mind that what you're doing here in meditation is you're transforming your own mind. You're not sending loving kindness to others and wishing that they will be peaceful and hoping that they will be peaceful to you. What you're doing is you're transforming your mind, transforming that anger, hatred, ill will, so that when you're with those people or you're in and around certain groups of people that you have a genuine interest in seeing them be well. And if you've had people in your past that the mind is still holding on to anger, hatred, ill will, resentment, or any kind of feelings like this, this is what will transform the mind and train the mind to let that go because it's only harming you, it's not harming others. 
So this practice is about transforming your mind. It's not a prayer. It's not a wish. It's not trying to change others through your meditation because that's not possible. All you can do is transform your own mind. And when you do this meditation on your own outside of this group, you should customize these rings based on your relationships in your life. So if you have certain people or certain groups of people either currently in your life or in the past that there is anger, hatred, ill will, you have some frustration, irritation, annoyance, maybe some resentments in there, some like kind of hostility or aggression, wherever that person or that group of people that you have in the mind that you feel that way towards, you need to include them in your meditation. And you may include them for many weeks or many months until you no longer have those feelings any longer, and then you can take them out of your meditation. You may even need to do kind of one person or two people repeatedly over and over. So let's take an example. Let's say somebody has a lot of negative self-talk and they really don't have loving kindness for themselves. Maybe what you do for the first several weeks of this meditation that you implement into your practice is you do may I be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness. Then you do it again and again and again and again. And then finally, may all beings be well and peaceful. You do all four phrases for all beings. So maybe you need to do may I multiple, multiple, multiple times in one meditation for several weeks until you cultivate loving kindness in the mind for your own self, your own being. And then say you have a difficult relationship with your partner, with a parent, with a sibling, with a friend, with a coworker, with your boss, with a neighbor, anybody like this. Then maybe what you do is you say, may I be peaceful. And then you go to that person and you do them over and over and over and over again. And then all beings. And now you do that for several weeks until you've cleared out any kind of anger, hatred, ill will towards that person. And then as you can work through these various people and groups of people, eventually maybe you just need to do each thing one time, kind of like what we're going to do today, a more generalized meditation. But you need to do this for many weeks and many months until you get to the point where you no longer see any anger, hatred, or ill will arising in the mind for six months or a year, right? This isn't a thing that you do one time and then boom, everything's fixed. You need to gradually train the mind to eliminate this anger, hatred, ill will. And as you start doing this, you'll see the emotions and feelings start to soften and you won't have these strong emotions when you're in conversations or when you encounter situations where you're involved with these people or groups of people or you think back to the past about certain people that have caused harm, you will have let go of those strong feelings. And when you notice for six months or a year that the mind no longer has any kind of anger, hatred, or ill will arising, you'll probably slowly kind of diminish this meditation and you won't need it. But you'll know how to do it. You'll have done it for a really long period of time. You will have seen the strong emotions of anger, hatred, ill will soften, gradually diminishing, and then eventually eliminate entirely from the mind. And then when you get that nice long run of no anger, hatred, ill will, 
then that's when you know, okay, looks like there's no anger, hatred, ill will in the mind. But if you go three months, six months, a year, and then boom, some anger, hatred, ill will, or frustration, irritation, annoyance comes in, well, you know the remedy, you know the solution. Go back to your loving kindness meditation for a few weeks or a few months and start working on the mind to eliminate that for whatever situation or beings that you were involved with where that arose. This meditation needs to be done together with breathing mindfulness meditation. You wouldn't be able to eliminate anger, hatred, ill will with only loving kindness meditation. The practice that the Buddha shares, it's a life practice. It's comprehensive. So you will need to understand things like the three universal truths, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, the five precepts, and all these other teachings that we share in this program and all the resources that I share. And you'll have to slowly piece together an entire life practice. And what I usually suggest is that you start out with breathing mindfulness meditation for four to six weeks, build that up where there's some consistency, where you're doing kind of once or twice or three times a day. Ultimately, you would like to get to two or three times a day for 30 minutes or more. But that might take you six months or a year or, or longer, who knows, to build up to that. But at least get four to six weeks of consistently doing breathing mindfulness meditation and taking the time, effort, and energy to do that. And once you've got that established and you're doing this consistently, that's the time to bring in loving kindness meditation and start working on that and integrating it into your meditation practice. So if you're doing meditation two or three times a day, maybe one is breathing mindfulness meditation. Maybe the second one is breathing mindfulness meditation with loving kindness meditation like we're going to do today. And then maybe that's your practice for a day. Or if you're going to do a third one, then, you know, maybe it's breathing mindfulness. Maybe it's breathing mindfulness and loving kindness. This is where it's your practice. There's no one set way to do this. It's all about you working with the teachings, practicing and seeing what works and what is working. And you should be able to observe this over the course of many weeks and months that the condition of the mind is gradually improving. So let me pause here before we actually do meditation together and see what questions you guys have. Remember, you can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom by putting your questions into the comment section. Our moderators will see that and ask your question during the class. Or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. Hi, David. I was wondering if you can expand on why we begin loving kindness meditation with ourselves in the middle ring. Right. So it's kind of like this. If you were going to host a seminar on how to get rich, if you were poor and didn't have money, you weren't wealthy yourself, how could you host a seminar on how to get wealthy, how to invest and make money if you yourself didn't have any assets and you didn't have any money? So the same thing is how could you have loving kindness for others and this genuine interest in seeing others be well if you don't even have that for yourself first. So you need to cultivate that in your own mind so that you understand what it feels like and what it means to have loving kindness. And then you'll be more aptly able to practice it with other people. Thank you. I noticed Miranda has her hand raised, so let's go to her next. Hello. 
Um, so if one has chosen through discernment to not associate with someone any longer, um, the thought is, should we then do loving kindness meditation for a period of time, focusing on that person to make sure that there isn't some underlying ill will or annoyance or frustration um, towards them? That would be really wise to do because there's no harm in choosing not to associate with certain people in your life. And you might choose to do that based on your own needs and what you need for your life practice. Maybe there's some unwholesome things going on. You're not judging this person. You're not looking down on them. You're not thinking you're above them or below them. You just feel like it would be better if you moved on with your life and no longer maintained a relationship. And you don't even need to tell them that. You can just move on. That way, there's an open door there. And then as you do that, it's okay to do that, but you would like to not put a wall between you and them. That would be aversion. So by moving on, you can move on, but maintain the loving kindness and compassion, which compassion is concerned for their misfortune. And if you're unsure or you just would like to be sure, like the way you're talking, Miranda, is putting that person into your loving kindness meditation, that would be really wise because then you could be sure the mind's not holding on to any anger, hatred, or ill will, and that that's not the reason why you're choosing to move on. So that's very advisable. It could be very wise to do that. I was wondering, David, we just finished studying breathing mindfulness meditation last week. When we're actively practicing loving kindness meditation, do we continue to follow the breath? Yes, that's why on the out breath is where you do your affirmation so that if you've established the breath really well in breathing mindfulness meditation and you're focusing and fixating the mind on the sound of the breath or the sensation of air coming into the body, then you do that for at least five minutes, kind of like a minimum, 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 you know, upwards of maybe 15 or 20 minutes if you really have a really deep practice. And then once you're really well established, that's where you go into loving kindness and you focus the affirmation on the out breath. So you're always monitoring the out breath in the inhale as well. You're still experiencing that full inhale. So meditation, like we talked about last week, it's a dedicated, active, purposeful training session where you're either eliminating certain unwholesome qualities from the mind or you're cultivating certain wholesome qualities. So there's effort in meditation. You're actively involved, purposefully training the mind rather than just kind of zoning out. You're always engaged with the mind, attentive and alert during meditation. So if you've developed that breathing mindfulness meditation really well, where you're fully experiencing the inhale and you're fully experiencing the exhale, all you're doing here is you're just adding an affirmation on the exhale but you're still fully aware of the inhale fixating the mind on the breath and fully aware of the exhale fixating the mind on the breath but you're just including now that affirmation on the exhale and is there any element of visualization such as when we are imagining a person or a person is in our ring is it appropriate for that person to visually come into our mind in any situations would that person come into our mind yeah, that can be really helpful if you focus on the individual or the group of people because it can make it more apparent in the mind. 
You can also visualize like syrup going over the person's body, you know, kind of from the head to toe. And even when you start with may I be peaceful, you can envision that for yourself. That's one of the things that I used to do when I did this meditation frequently is that I would envision the syrup kind of enveloping my body. And then I would do the same thing for other people that I was meditating and including into the meditation. So this can arise in the mind certain feelings. So if you have anger and hatred and you're starting to meditate and visualize this person in the meditation, it might actually bubble up some anger, hatred, and ill will. And this is part of letting it go is that you have to kind of pull back the carpet, kick up all the dust and get it out of the windows in order for you to clear out the mind and eliminate it from the mind. So you might actually start meditation fairly peaceful and calm. And then by the time you go through meditation, it can arise this anger and hatred. And that's all the more reason why you need to be doing this meditation. Sometimes if people are more angry after the meditation than before, they think that the meditation wasn't successful. But in reality, it really was because by you arising that or kind of kicking up that dust, you got to get rid of it. And that's what the mind's working through. And it's going to take more than one session, more than maybe 10 sessions or 20 sessions for certain people to really get rid of all this anger, hatred, and ill will. And that's also why at the end of our loving kindness meditation, we will go back to breathing mindfulness meditation. So we kind of start out fixating on the breath, bringing the mind in the present moment, removing any kind of clutter in the mind. We do loving kindness meditation. And during that, there may be some anger, hatred, or will that kind of arises if that's there. And then on the backside, we're going to do some more breathing mindfulness meditation to kind of clear the mind out, fixated on the breath and any kind of anger, hatred, ill will, irritation, annoyance that surfaced, that's your time to let it go. And same thing, when you learn in breathing mindfulness meditation to cut off the thoughts and let them go, and that's what we're doing before and after loving kindness meditation, you can also practice that same thing during loving kindness meditation so that if you're breathing in and you're breathing out during loving kindness meditation and essentially what you're doing is breathing mindfulness meditation and you're just adding this affirmation once you breathe out and you are saying that affirmation in the mind you just let it go right when you're further in your rings you're not thinking back to the rings that you already did or even after you say may i be peaceful and now you move to may i be safe you're not thinking back to may i be peaceful so if your mind is really well trained and you're getting there closer and closer with breathing mindfulness meditation, training the mind to let go or cut off thoughts, it's the same thing. Once you say this affirmation in loving kindness meditation, you say it and then you're done with it and you just move on to the next affirmation or move on to the next set of rings. Thank you, David. Let's get to Basim now for our Zoom questions. James. We have a question from Johnny. He asks, is it helpful to specify your meta for self or others, such as may I eliminate negative self-talk? The affirmations that you do, you can customize these. These are four that I use. But what you would like to do is make sure that the affirmation is non-burdening, that you're not burdening yourself or others. Not that you can, but you don't want the mind to hold on 
and obligating or expecting something to be done. So if you use that affirmation, you know, may I eliminate self-talk, this is burdening the mind with having to do something. And you don't want to do that because that's kind of like an expectation or a want or a desire. So if you're going to customize these affirmations at all, you would like to set them up so they're non-burdening. So for example, I wouldn't say like, may I be kind or may I be polite because these are obligating or expecting something to be done. So that's why like peaceful, safe, well, free of discontentedness. This is not burdening myself or expecting something from someone else. It's just purely just cultivating this genuine interest in seeing myself and others be well. Well, uh, no more questions issues for now we're on Zoom. Okay, so it looks like we're ready for meditation, yeah? All the questions that we have for now. Okay, so let's go ahead and move into meditation then and we'll, we'll open up for questions after meditation about anything that you guys would like to discuss related to the meditation, how it went for you, or getting any kind of clarification on this meditation or any of the teachings along the path. So go ahead and take your position for meditation, whether that's seated, standing, or lying. If you're seated, it's probably on the floor with a cushion, cross leg. Just be sure that you don't have any real steep angles at your hips, your knees, and your ankles because your legs might have a tendency to fall asleep. You'd like to keep the circulation flowing in the lower body. But be sure the lower body is stable. It should be comfortable, not luxurious and not painful, but comfortable. That's the middle. And then the hands and the arms, same thing. They should be comfortable, not luxurious and not painful. So the Buddha put his right hand over his left with his thumbs together. And if that's comfortable for you and then you put that in your lap, you do that. But it's not about doing it exactly the way everyone else is doing it necessarily. You do what's comfortable for you. So for some people, they put their palms on their thighs or their knees. If you're in a chair, you might put the arms on the armrest. Your lower body and your hands and arms should just be completely unengaged. No muscles should be engaged at all. But your upper body, the spine should be erect. This keeps the upper body alert and attentive so that the mind will stay alert and attentive. Where if I was slouched, the mind would have a tendency to turn off. Or if I was real rigid, right, it would be kind of too uptight. So you're always looking for that middle. So nice erect upper body where the muscles are engaged, not leaning back up against something or kind of zoned out, but just nice and erect to keep the mind attentive and alert during meditation. Once your body's in position, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. You'd like to experience the full breath on the inhale and the exhale. You're not trying to control the breath or force it. You'd like it to be nice and natural, steady and consistent. Just a nice gradual inhale through the nose, experiencing the full breath. And wherever you get to it, a nice exhale through the nose. Your breath isn't gonna necessarily match up to the guidance that I'm providing. 
So wherever you get to an inhale, just go ahead and breathe in and out. Breathing in and out. Focus the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving into the nose over the skin. The breath is the present moment, so fixate the mind on the breath. Breathing in. in, out. Just stay here, working on establishing the breath, breathing in and out through the nose. I'm gonna do some chants to ease us into meditation and then come back with some more guidance. You're welcome to join along in these chants if you know them. Arahang Samma Samhoto Mahakewa Potang Mahakewan Hang Apiwa Teami Sawakato Mahakewatamo Damang Namasami Sopatipano Mahakewato Sawakasanko Sanghanamami Napmorhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Napmorhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Napmorhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Itipisomhakavā Arahang Samasamhoto Vichacharanang Samhuno Sakato Rokavito Anu Teropurisa 
ดามาสติสัตตาวามานุสนังพุทโธภะคะวะตเ
Continuing to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. When you get to the next exhale, add this affirmation on the exhale. Repeat in the mind, may I be peaceful. safe. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be safe. May we be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes.
May all those who are close to me be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all those who are acquaintances be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes.
May all those whom I've never met be peaceful. safe. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes.
focus the mind on the breath, the present moment. Wherever you notice it's not on the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath.
As you come out of your meditation sessions, don't try to judge whether it was a good meditation or a bad meditation. It was just meditation. It was just training the mind. If we try to judge our own meditation, when it we consider it to be good, the mind can get pleasant feelings. But when we consider it to be bad, it can get painful feelings. This is what we're trying to eliminate from the mind, is the mind forming inner feelings based on impermanent conditions. So don't try to judge or evaluate or analyze was it good or was it bad. Just do it, apply your effort, and each session work to get better and better at your meditation. Don't try to determine if it's good or bad, just do it. And then also, when you're doing loving kindness meditation, don't be concerned if you don't quite feel it. If you're doing certain rings, say you have 
difficulty with your mom or your dad or your brother, your sister, your friends, your partner, and you just aren't feeling the love, that's why you're doing this meditation. That's to be expected. It's going to take many, many sessions for that to really kick in and train the mind to cultivate and permeate with the loving kindness. So don't expect that when you do this meditation once that boom, the love and kindness is just going to come flooding into the mind. That's not how any of these teachings in the Buddha's path to enlightenment work. It's all gradual training, gradual practice and gradual results. So don't expect that you're going to instantly have this flood of loving kindness just because you did this meditation. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to apply your effort. Some days you're going to feel it more than others. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you should feel guilty or shameful. It's just that your mind's a work in progress. So keep working on it. Don't expect to be good or bad. Don't even try to judge good or bad. Don't try to have expectations of what meditation should or shouldn't be. Just stay committed to the practice. And as you do it, you chip away at this mind more and more, slowly eliminating all this anger, hatred, ill will, and bringing in this loving kindness. Or another way to say it is bring in all this loving kindness so that you slowly ease the anger, hatred, ill will out of the mind. So let's open up to any questions you guys have about loving kindness meditation or breathing mindfulness meditation or anything along this path that you guys would like to ask questions about. Remember to ask questions, just put your comment in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, or raise your hand electronically and the moderators will be able to call on you and you can ask your question. I was wondering, David, about what may be an opportune time to practice loving kindness meditation. Would this be at a time when we're experiencing anger? Or if we're experiencing anger, is it perhaps best to focus on breathing mindfulness meditation to let go of that and then practice loving kindness meditation when the mind is in a more even state? You can try all of those and see what works best for you. Everybody's going to be a bit different. Everyone's going to experience different things. And each time you practice, it can be a bit different. The goal would be, though, that not only do you use it during those times, but the goal would be that you get ahead of the curve on this, right? So you might decide to go to meditation for breathing mindfulness and or loving kindness when the mind's angry or frustrated or irritated. But the goal would be that you're meditating consistently in a dedicated, determined, diligent practice so that you really get ahead of this and you're softening the feelings and that you're not experiencing the high, strong feelings of anger, hatred, and ill will. But as you do, there's going to be those situations as you're bringing the mind more to the middle that you will experience anger, hatred, and ill will. And you can try it and see. I always found that it was difficult to do any meditation when I was angry. Uh, So I uh, would try. Uh, but it didn't always work. I, I can't really remember that it surely worked. It probably calmed me down a bit, but I used to have a lot, a lot, a lot of anger. And uh, I found it was just really difficult to meditate at all when I was in that state. But you can try it and see how it works for you because you know your mind's going to experience different things at different times. So you're developing your life practice and you're kind of using these different tools and seeing which tool works in what situation, much like a woodworker or a sculptor. 
you're using different tools at different time and seeing which one works in what situations. So like so many other parts of the path, it's all about finding what works for ourselves. And I suppose that's why we call it a practice. Yeah, it's your life practice. It's your meditation practice. The teacher is here to provide guidance and suggestions and help you along the path. But each individual practitioner has to do the work. And like I said, if you can get ahead of this by developing a consistent practice, that's best because once the mind's discontent and highly agitated, it's much harder to bring it down out of that. So that's where not only is your meditation practice important, but what you're doing all day long is really important. Practicing that entire eightfold path so that when you feel those bodily sensations of anger or frustration starting to arise, you can cut it off right there and let it go so it doesn't come into feelings and pollute the mind. Or if you're feeling happiness, excitement, and thrill, euphoria starting to arise, you can cut it off and let it go right there so that the mind's not basing its inner feelings on these impermanent conditions. And then as you do, it's like cutting back this wild bush closer and closer to the stump that eventually you'll get to the point where these discontent feelings don't arise and the mind is just always peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. We just completed our chapter on harm in regards to the earth on Sunday. And I was wondering if the earth and the environment can potentially be a ring for loving kindness meditation, perhaps to inspire our own positive actions toward the environment. Certainly, yeah. If you're feeling any kind of feelings that you need to eradicate related to the planet or the earth, you can surely include that if you like. And I thought I would ask, since we just completed a review of loving kindness meditation and last week breathing mindfulness meditation, do you have any recommendations for any type of ratio as we begin to incorporate loving kindness into our practice of meditation? You know, it's really dependent on how much anger you have in the mind. If you feel that there's a good amount of anger there, you might want to ramp that part of your practice up and do that two or three times a day because you are doing breathing mindfulness meditation in there. Uh, So you're getting some of that work being done. So you might go through several weeks or months of doing a lot of loving kindness meditation and then kind of phasing that back down to maybe once or twice with breathing mindfulness meditation as a standalone. So you kind of have to feel that out for yourself based on the condition of the mind. Thank you, David. That seems to be all the questions we have for today. Yeah. And what I'll add there, James, for that is don't ever feel locked in, right? Like if you're noticing that right now you're doing one session of breathing mindfulness and one session of loving kindness, and that's working pretty well, don't stay attached to that. Don't stay holding on to that. So if you notice that anger is arising a lot, you're like, whoa, I've got to completely change up my practice here. And now let me start doing loving kindness a whole whole lot and make that part of my consistent schedule. And then, you know, after you notice that the anger is starting to subside, maybe you go to doing breathing mindfulness meditation. So you should always look at your practice as being impermanent. Right. For anybody who's understands that you're unenlightened and you haven't yet attained enlightenment, then there's more things that you need to let go of that's in the mind that's currently there. That's delusion. That's ignorance. There's a lot more for you to let go of and there's a lot more for you to bring in. One of the things that I see sometimes is people who've been on the path 
for a while, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, they know they're not enlightened, but yet they're holding on very tightly to the things that they've been doing in the past, and they're not willing to let go of it. And in that situation, they're not going to actually make progress and get improvement because they're still holding on to the ignorance or the unknowing of true reality. They're still holding on to meditations that aren't really working to improve the condition of their mind. They're not willing to learn something new and bring something new into their practice. So all the way up until you're experiencing like six months, a year worth of no discontentedness, always consider your meditation practice, but also your daily life practice as being impermanent. And it's got to remain that way so that you feel comfortable of letting certain things go in your practice and bringing new things in. Because if you stagnate and you hold on to the things that you've been doing into the past, then there's not going to be any forward progress. And this is something that I see with some people who've been at this for a while. They're not interested in learning new things. They're not interested in letting go of what they currently are practicing, but they also know that they're not enlightened, which it's contrary. What's keeping them in the unenlightened state is that holding on to the things that aren't working for them, but they just don't realize that and and they may not be willing to put in the effort and energy to learn the new things. So this is really important to keep your practice in permanent and always consider it to be that way. So for our next class next Wednesday, we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness. We're going to be switching just like we have been all the way up until now, where we'll just say hello, welcome, and go right into meditation. I was interested to put these little refreshers here at the end of the program because any new people that have joined us will have needed to learn. But those of you guys that have been in the program for a while, it's kind of a nice time to kind of refresh you now that the program is going to be coming to an end in about four weeks. But then we're going to be restarting it again on September 1st. So if you'd like to continue learning in this program and go through it again, you'll see that you'll pick up things that you didn't pick up the first time. Now that you kind of understand the whole program, you'll soak into it a bit more as you go through, just like watching a movie for a second or third time. If you joined this program just recently, then I definitely suggest that you start at the beginning and go all the way through. Sure, stick with us here for the next month as we're closing out this part of the program, but then be ready to restart on September 1st. And some of you guys that have been in this program for a while, you may choose to stay in this program and keep learning if you've done this program two, three times or so, and you may decide to even add on Saturday Saturdays, we do the Pali Canon English study group where we're studying exclusively the words of the Buddha and helping you to see his original source teachings in the Pali Canon. So you could be doing this program and that program together if you have the time and availability in your schedule. But if you don't, you may need to pick just one or the other. And remember, you can also do these programs at your own pace, even though the live classes are Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 9 p.m. Thai time. If you can't make those for any reason whatsoever because of impermanence, it's going to happen where sometimes you can't make these classes, then they're recorded on YouTube and Facebook and the podcast, and you can listen to them on a replay whenever you get the opportunity to do so. But at least you're progressing through the training Because in this program on Sunday and Wednesday, we use this book, Volume 1, 
But then in the Saturday Polycanon in English program, we use volumes 2 through 13. And all of these are available for you at no cost. You can download them and use those. You can take them and print them somewhere if you'd like. Or if you'd like a nice printed copy, Amazon has them in printed format so you can get them there. So I'll see you in an upcoming class either next Wednesday, which is going to be breathing mindfulness meditation, or this Sunday, which is going to be chapter 22 out of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. That chapter is titled Mental Health, A Modern Day Delusion. Here, this is where you're going to learn a lot of the symptoms and a lot of the anguish that we're experiencing in the world as human beings that people are categorizing and thinking are defects in the brain that require medication. You're going to see that this is just actually an untrained mind that can completely eradicate sadness, stress, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, bipolar, depression, anorexia, bulimia, all of these different things that we now consider to be mental illnesses. As more and more people learn the Buddhist teachings, they'll be able to eradicate these and others. Things like PTSD and ADD, ADHD. These are just minds that haven't been trained in these teachings. And as you learn and progress on this path, either you or your loved ones, your family, your children, they will be able to get concentration, clarity of mind, peacefulness, and you can eradicate all these symptoms that are being categorized as being mental illness. Medication isn't going to actually solve it. You have to train the mind in order to bring it into the middle and experience this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy that we call enlightenment. So that's what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. And you can read the chapter either before or after class. So I'll see you either this Sunday or Wednesday or maybe even Saturday in our Polycan in an English program. Either way, I wish you a very wonderful rest of your day. Take care and be well. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.